Tzoraim Tov, we continue our discussion in the Sefer Nefesh Shimshon by Rav Shimshon Pinkus. We're in the next section that's called, based on the words of, of, Matovu uh, Alecha, Vani Barov Chastecha, and I with your abundant kindness. So let's see again another important statement of the Arizal that tells us to pause for a moment before we enter into the shul. And you're going to hear a little Kiddush that you're not used to. Says the Arizal, when a person enters the shul, he needs to be careful very much to wait, hold back at the entrance before he goes in means right as you're about to enter the shul, as you're by the mezuzah, you have not, you're not yet on the carpet of our shul. You're on the tile. To pause and to show that you are afraid and trembling and shaking to enter the palace of the king of the world. And this will help very much for perfecting a person and what his comprehension is and this is based on the mitzvah of umik toshai tira'u, and you shall be in awe and reverence of my temple, which literally refers to the base on Mikdash, but since we don't have a base on Mikdash anymore, it refers to the Mikdash Ma'at, the small temple, which is our shuls. And that's what the Gemara says regarding Achitofel, who told King David on the words of the Pasuk, the base Elohim nahalech berogesh, in the house of God, you shall move with regesh. And regesh is with feeling. Okay, you go with feeling. A person should be trembling and be in awe that he is coming into the shul of Hashem. So that's that's an important thing. we got to stop. Just don't walk right into the shul. you got to stop. And the Rizal continues to write that as soon as you get to the entrance, you say the Pasuk of Tehillim, which is the second verse of Matovu. Vani Barov Chastecha, and I, with an abundance of your kindness, God, Avobesecha, I enter into your house. And you have Kavana with the words Barov Chastecha, with an abundance of your kindness, which is the divine kindness that we always need constantly from Hashem, especially when we're coming into the king's palace to make our requests. Because that kindness is is called the, the, the complete day, which we'll see what that means in a minute. Okay, and after we say this pasuk at the entranceway, then we can come into the shul. And do not say this pasuk except before you come in. And the custom that we say, see that people are saying it as they're ready inside, it's a mistake from those who do this, even though that's our custom, because we say ma tovu, inside of the shul, but on base we're saying it's not enough, you gotta say this before. So the words of the Arizal obviously are telling us very mystical things and beyond what we can understand. But on the simple level, we have to understand 
that he's saying you wait at the entrance, meaning we got to prepare ourselves for prayer. We have to stop for a moment and reflect. And obviously that means as you're at the door about to kiss the mezuzah, you start saying in the morning, which already explained earlier what that is. Okay, and that's such a, but then we move on to and, and me with your abundance kindness, I can now enter into your sanctuary. Then we kiss the mezuzah and go inside. What's the point of this? So Rapink is saying the point is we have to prepare ourselves for what we're going to do. Now for many people it's very hard because we're always running late for shul, says Rapinkus. And if we wait a minute, we might miss out on things. Okay? So the real problem is we're rushing into prayer and we should not be rushing into prayer. So therefore the Arizal is saying if a person wants to achieve the virtues of what prayer can give, the first thing is before you enter, you have to pause for a moment uh, from the from the hassle, the, the, the quick pace of life, and to think, where are you right now? Where are you about to go in? And what is it you're about to do? When you're outside of the shul, you say, Vani barov chastecha secha. And again, I prostrate myself in your sanctuary with great fear of you. And then you should be ramish, shaking and trembling and realize the great value of who Hashem is and who we're about to meet with. Now we know if you would, for the first time, visit a really big, big tzaddik who you never met before, okay, you would have that feeling. You'd be shaking. Look, look who I'm coming before, who I'm going to be speaking to. So now... He's saying even more. He's saying we should really say the whole possible. And to continue. I will prostrate myself before you in your temple. You don't have to actually prostrate, but you have those feelings of awe. And Arizal says that this is a good method to reach some comprehension and success in prayer. We don't know exactly what we're going to be successful is, but one thing's for sure. He's saying it's important to stop and think, and what are you doing? And to be so appreciative, okay? That's you got to be quiet and think about what you're about to do, to think who are you going to speak to, how powerful he is, etc., etc., before you come in the shul to even open up your mouth. Okay, obviously someone who comes into the shul talking to somebody as he's walking into the shul is missing this point. And the truth is, really, there's no reason he shouldn't have it for all three prayers, which are being reminded, therefore, I have to stop the class at least two, three minutes before Mincha, or I'm not practicing what I preach. Get carried away, so I have to always keep an eye on the clock to know when to stop, and then Got to spend at least the hours, just a few moments, enough to say these 
couple psukim. It doesn't hurt to say it as many times as you can. How pleasant are your tents, Yaakov. It's right on this little card that we gave out to everybody a couple years ago during COVID. And I think there's some lying around somewhere. It's right there, if you can't remember it. And just say the first three lines before you walk in. Right? Hebrew or English. There, it's all here. Okay? So if you're dubbing someone that's not a shul, the boardroom downtown, is it is it who That's a good audience? question. So like, is it who you have an audience with or the room that you well, I, I still it definitely wouldn't hurt to say it. You should still have an audience for the share. Yes, wouldn't hurt to say it. That's why, if it's possible, it's not always possible. Let's say when you got the early nights, it's hard. It's hard. You can't. You got to daven in such yeah, a place. Here. There is no shul in Toronto. Correct. This downtown, well, there is, but it's not near anything. And even if right, the Minsker, Minsker is not close. They don't operate. I'm just saying. Be very expensive proposition for four months of the year to have a whole shul just for mincha. But anyway, so, no, the kid, the mezuzah, a whole different story. The mezuzah is just knowing that Hashem protects you, and we, and we abide by kriyashma and everything that Hashem is one and all that that you have in your house, you have wherever you go. Well, you, you could do that, but you know, there's a lot. Then now you gotta be stay, stay, sit, standing around for a long time. You're kind of blocking the door as well. Right. So it basically, this is enough. If it's a mezuzah going into the shul, it's enough. You say this prayer. It has to be relatively quick if you've got a dozen people who are all entering. Well, they don't all have to come in at the same second. And they and and everybody could say this outside. They could take a lineup. So you don't have to be right at the press. You could be two steps away. Right. In other words, if ten guys are walking in at the same time, they can all stand outside the door and say that, and they'll all end it at the same at least the time. Everyone should hear this. This. Uh, this it's on online. Play. Just. That's how I listen to it. We have to play yeah. it. Yeah. You know, unfortunately. So you have to listen to this one. What? I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, you're right. But this is a critical point. If people would understand this, they first of all get rid of their cell phone. Right? Oh, I'm 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 speaking to you. What am I doing with a cell phone in my hand? Put it into the box. And you can get rid of their person to person conversations. Yes, and to stop any conversations. Yeah. Anyway, it's it's a challenge. Yeah. Okay. So therefore, clearly, this is what the Arizal is telling us. We've got to pause and think before that. Now, the early rabbis are telling us this big, big, lofty things. But now we're going to go very simple. And he gets into an idea that he says, there's two types of attributes. Midas HaChesed, the attribute of Chesed, translated to English, kindness. Amidas Hagvura, and the attribute of control. Those are the two opposites, right hand, left hand. Um, when a person, let's say, puts bread on the table, or he has a certain simcha, so what kind of behavior are you displaying? We would call that chesed. It's kindness. 
On the other hand, if a person has a headache, that's the expression of gura, of fear of Hashem, judgment. Okay. That's simple. That's simple. It's okay. God's doing a chesed to me. I have a simcha. I have food on the table. God's dealing with gvura. I have a headache. But then there's a chesed that's much deeper and incorporates all the orders of God's conduct. And even with an external way of looking at it, you can see this in many ways. Well, it's going to explain this all in detail. He says there are certain types of simchas in life and there's also certain challenges in life. And all the conducts and all the different flavors and colors that are found in this world, there's something that unifies all of those things that happen in our lives. Everything happened to you today so far. Some good, some not good, whatever. It all goes under one thing. Everything that Hashem does, He does for the good. And the truth is, when we look in the deeper level of God's conduct, it's all good. So now, there's two types of chesed now. One he calls chesed ma'asi, active, active chesed, where you see it's clearly chesed, and then he calls chesed pinimi, an inner chesed. And that you have to go and understand from everything God does is for the good. That's a deeper kind of chesed. So he's going to give an example to explain this. Everything that a person does, there's an external way that appears to people's eyes, and then there's an internal reason why he's doing what he's doing. Whenever you see somebody doing something, there's definitely what your eyes are seeing. We're not denying what your eyes are seeing. But then there's the inner dimension that is there at the same time. So let's give a simple example. You see, you walk in and you see a father smacks his kid. He's smacking him as a disciplinary action. And this is, you know, before the times of abuse of kids and all these things. It's, it's, it's one of those, it's going to hurt me more than it's going to hurt you. And in, in reality, so you ask a person, what do you see outwardly? Whoa, this is glura, this is judgment, this is bad, he got a smack. But if it's a loving father, what's the source of that activity? It's rachamim. It's compassion. It's love. He wants only what's good for the kid. But with the nature of the kid, and even the father normally doesn't like to hit people. He's not a person who hits. But because he loves his kid so much, he has to hit his kid. Why? Because he wants the kid to learn the lesson. And obviously, there was no other way for the kid to learn the lesson. Okay? On the other hand, we could have the opposite. We could have an activity that looks it's very kind, but it's unlimited, unrestrained. And what does that ultimately bring us? Well, sometimes God rewards the evil to just get rid of them. An evil person, how come he's doing so well? God says, I want to give him whatever little reward he deserves in this world. So when he leaves the world, he's going to get nothing. Or sometimes God gives a person a lot of wealth and money, so he should lose it and go to somebody else. So even though externally it looks like there's a kindness, but in the depths there's a lot of judgment going on over here. So now there's a great difference between the physical manifestation on the outer side that looks like a chesed, but that depends on the reasons for what's going on. And if the reasons change, 
so will the conduct change and the outer conduct is never necessarily going to be the same right because when we have the meters of chesed which is inside and that's a conduct of the soul and that's the real connection between the father and the son and between the creator and his people it's a love that doesn't depend on anything and there's no limits and boundaries to that love and the root is with love and even the son sins against the father and he has to punish him but this father keeps loving the kid and punishes the kid because of that so what do we see we see chesed has two faces the face of the external expression what we see and it looks clearly from our eyes that seems an act of kindness but really it's going to depend a lot on what's the inner aspect and if the, there's an inner aspect of kindness which is the true soulful kindness of the Midos, irrespective of what you outwardly see. So if there's an inner chesed, then whatever is happening outside is sourced in chesed. An outer chesed, we don't know what it is, unless we know what's going on in the inside. There's another point. So do you have chesed, external chesed for people or internal chesed for people? If it's external chesed, that means there's a reason why I'm doing it. It's not because I love the person. So then I can always pull the plug on that and then act in a way that's not chesed to the person. Right? But if there's an internal chesed, whatever I'm doing is chesed, even if it doesn't look like chesed. So let's have a good example by Avram Avinu. Now we know clearly Avram Avinu is chesed. No question about it. Yet Hashem says, throw Yishmol out of the house. And when he threw him out of the house, under what circumstances did he throw him out of the house? Yishmol had a burning fever. And Avram takes him out anyway. He puts him on Hagar's shoulders. Sends him out. That's it. And the Medrash says, how could Avram do this? He's the pillar of Chesed. How could he do this? The Medrash says, because he hated him because he went off into an evil path. On the other hand, listen to this carefully. So what do you see? Medrash says, he dealt bad to Yishmael because he hated his evil. On the other hand, when Hashem had to test Avram with the Akedas Yitzchak, Hashem does it slowly. Esbincha, take your son. He says, I have two sons. I don't know what you mean. Your only son. Well, I still have two only sons as well. It's the one that you love. He says, I love both of them. Yitzchak, okay. Now, how can you say he loved both of them when he already threw Yishmol out years before that? How do you hold both in one place? The answer is, when Avram saw the Yishmol was going off the path, He's saying, Hashem, I love Yitzchak, but I hate Yishmael for what he's doing. So when Hashem says, Asher Ahavta, the one you love, he's still, I don't know what you're talking about. So what's going on over there? So he really loves Yishmael. And one of the Mephorshim explained, and I didn't have a chance to mention it when we were learning it, why did Avram go to such an extreme? Couldn't he have sent them out nicely? I mean, you're sending him out, so give him a lot of stuff. So I saw a beautiful shot. He says, you know, when someone has a bad effect on your kid, could have a bad effect, you would keep him away. If this is a bum, you don't let him come in the house. 
But the fact is, Shmuel already had affected, had been with Yitzchak for a while. Now, Aaron can throw him out now, but what about the time Yishmael was with him? How, how do we know he didn't do something bad? So Hashem mistreats Yishmael so bad for Yitzchak's sake to say, don't think anything about Yishmael was something you'd want to... It's for Yitzchak's sake. Because he loved Yitzchak so much. But yet he still loved Yishmael. So he hated what Yishmael was doing. And because he loved Yishmael, he said, the only solution is throwing him out. Yeah. And we know the famous words of, of Rabbi Yisrael Salanter gives a marshal to a Rosh Yeshiva who has a son and a student. The student is excellent. The student goes to every class, asks questions, helps the Rebbe be smarter. The mamish, he loves the student. And the son is a bum. Son's a bum. It's, it's mamish, a black mark on the family. He's mamish ashamed to be with his kid. Okay, one night, they're all sleeping together in the house. The son's in one room, the student's in another room. Now there's a fire. And the father only has time to save one kid. Which one's he gonna save? The son. Why? Because that's the chesed panimi. That's the inner chesed. That never changes. It's not on condition. The student, what if the student goes off the derech? Nope. But that's it. But your son, that's it. He's my son. I love my son. That's an inner love. It doesn't depend on anything. And that's what we say to Hashem. I enter your house, God, with your abundant chesed to get this chesed. And it's berov chastecha, with an abundance of your kindness. I am going into the house of Hashem. I'm going into the inner core of holiness where I can connect to such a deep chesed. Not a superficial chesed. I'm connecting to a deep chesed. So let's see what's going on over here. So let's say if we do like the Arizal tells us to do, we stop and pause for a little bit. You know what you would ask yourself? Who am I to come into God's palace? How can I have the chutzpah? Do you know how many affairs I did this morning? How much Lashon Har I spoke? You know, you know what I did during the chakras? <laughs> Whatever. I'm not saying it present company excluded, but uh, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't learn anything this morning. Whatever it could be. Did Hashem invite me to come in? Am I one of the crowd? Am I am I such a consistent person to speak to Hashem? It is or or is my I just do everything that I shouldn't do? So am I ready to go to Hashem? I'm not even dressed so nice. See, stop and say, and and you think I I deserve a private audience with Hashem now. So you say, Matovo Alecha Yaakov Mishkano Sech Israel, how goodly is your tent. But Vani Barov Chastech, I'm counting on your abundant kindness. And then I will prostrate myself in your holy place. If there is a definition of who can go in and not, I'm certainly from the guys who would not be given entrance. 
But because of your abundant kindness, I can enter because you have such a deep love for me, an inner love for me. Which means, even though Hashem is disciplining me, and today was a rotten day. I had a flat tire, and uh, the, the boss was yelling at me, and my wife is yelling at me, and my kids are yelling, and the school called me with the problems with my kids, and they, my wife forgot to pack my lunch. All these things are going on. So, I guess God hates me. No, 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 you can come into the shul. Because he loves you. You know why he's doing this? Because there's a deep love he has for you. And that's what the Rizal says, that he says the chesed elio, the higher chesed, is this, this, this complete day. In other words, it's the, the full mitos. Wherever a person finds himself, wherever you're at, in your moods and emotions, Hashem always is loving you a ton. And that's the yesod you got to know. And therefore we have Rav Elimelech of Luzhinsk. Zecher Tzadik Levrocha. He, uh, let's see if we can pop this up for a minute. We're going to get a chance. He uh, authored what's called a Tfila Kodem Tfila, The prayer before prayer. And his the reason he wrote it is for this reason. For before we daven, to know where we're going to go. Where are you going? Uh, why you're going? Who's in this place? Whose place is this? It's ro- It's only rov chastecha. And, and you say this little prayer. It doesn't matter if you say it in Hebrew and English to make it proper. Don't I have to skip this piece? What? Do we have to skip this piece? Just okay. So now let's see if we can. Well, I first have to. So where does this prayer before prayer come from? So let me. I, I found this nice little thing online. Send it out. Yeah. But I'll tell you what the problem is going to be. Now I don't know if you can read this. Okay. Hang on. There we go. Good. Okay. The Saba Kedisha of Radishitz. He recorded an amazing story about where prayer before prayer came from. That's from this Reveli Melech. When he was a child, the Saba Kedisha, that's one of the big Hasidic Rebbe's, who was once visiting Reveli Melech of Luzhinsk, who was really big Rebbe then. But the Saba Kedisha was a kid. He was conversing with Hasidim from the Rebbe's inner circle in front of the Rebbe's home when several extremely tall men came and hurried into the house. When they reached the doorway, they had to stoop down to enter since they were so unusually tall. The only Rebbe closed the door behind them before the Hasidim could catch a glimpse of their faces. They waited outside until the visitors left to see if they could recognize them. Again, the Hasidim were astonished when the men left. They did so in such a hurry that they could not make out the men's features and just saw their backs. They left so fast that they almost vanished. The Hasidim realized that something unusual had just taken place and they decided to investigate and find out what had occurred. The elder Hasidim approached the Rebbe and asked him to explain the strange incident. This is what the Rebbe told him. Listen to this, guys. When I realized that most people cannot concentrate properly on their prayers anymore, 
due to the awesome burdens of earning a livelihood. And they lack the time and the understanding to concentrate fully. Because even the davening today, it takes me an hour. I decided to rewrite the standard formula for the prayers. I would write a new, short, and concise version that would be equally understood and grasped by everyone. Short and sweet and to the point. Then the holy members of the Anche Knesset Hagedola, the ones who authored the prayers, realized what I intended. And they and they died like a couple thousand years ago. They came here to ask me not to change even one prayer from their established formula. I took their counsel and discussed the matter with them. They advised me to establish a prayer to pray before the formal prayer service. This would help anyone who lacks the concentration and proper devotions that are necessary for all formal prayers. And this is the prayer before prayer. Now, I'm sorry to tell you, this is the downside of the story. Okay, it's here. One page is in Hebrew, one page is in English. But let's see, how long do you think this prayer is? A prayer before prayer. We still didn't get rid of any of the prayers. So just see, here's English, one page. And here's the Hebrew of it. Here's English, the second page. Here's the Hebrew of it. Here's the English of the third page. And there's the Hebrew of it. It's a three-page prayer. Even if we look at it in English just for a minute, you know, may it be your will, Hashem, our God and the God of our forefathers who listens to the sounds of our entreaties, pleas, and supplications and listens carefully to prayers of nations with compassion. Prepare our hearts and organize our thoughts and make our prayers flow fluently from our mouths and listen with your ears to hear the sound of the prayers, etc., etc. You're a merciful God with abundant compassion. <clears throat> Right? Even when we stand in prayer before you, pleading for our very souls, evil inclination persistently confuses our thoughts. We can't stand against them. Oh, woe to our souls, it's so hard. Now please awaken your abundant compassion and kindness towards us. Chase away and destroy the evil inclination. And we shouldn't have bad thoughts, etc., etc. Purify our hearts, sanctify, safeguard us from ulterior motives. I'm just skipping around. Bring down the influx of your blessing. Raise us up from one level to the next. Do not remember our sins and iniquities. Protect and shield us from, shows from jealousy. Strengthen our ties and our branches with love. All we beg of this love. But that's three pages. So, you know what? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not uh, in the level to comment at all on this. I could just say for my own self, I find it hard to concentrate on all of Dominic, yeah. let alone the prayer before prayer. Which is another three pages to say. But, but, it could very well be. This is what will make the difference if we really understand what we're doing. So, of course, I'm sure someone's going to say, can't we make the three-page one a little shorter? Is that, what's, does the card summarize what's on? Which card? The, the, the card we have. With the no, the card is just Matovu Alecha Yaakov. Oh, that's it. okay. It's just Matovu. This has nothing to do with this. But, uh, so this is like, okay, so yeah, if you come really early to shul, you should really come another five minutes early to shul and to really focus on saying this. Did you say this inside the shul? Like, you don't stand by the door for this. Uh, yeah, I guess so. You sit down and start this prayer before the prayer. Once you started by saying, you know, So anyway, this is something else. So you know, there's two ways to look at this. The Yetzirah says, oh, another thing I got to daven and say fast. 
But you got to realize we got to say it slow. Unless you think about it, it's not. But I guess if you're a chassid of Rav, if you're a chassid of Rav Eli Melech of Luzhinsk, you know, I guess you figure davening is a great opportunity. Be that as it may, at least to have these proper thoughts.